0: Today's sermon was given by Professor Matt McAlack of Cairn University, and formerly youth pastor at New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. I wanted to just share a story with you today that really illustrates this. It's from the book of Luke. I hope that you have your Bible with you, because the words are very powerful. I hope you'll read them along with me. And I hope that you'll remember the story because it's one that I keep coming back to, and my family will tell you this because they're probably getting tired of me talking about it. But I just love this story. For some reason, I really identify with this story, which reminds us of the amazing gift that God has given to us in Christ and the change that comes to our heart. It's in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and it's a short story there that Luke tells us about an encounter that Jesus had with a very unlikely person. And in fact, someone wrote a song about it. And when I was little, I learned this song. Did you ever hear the song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Did you ever hear that song? And he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord went past that day, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm coming to your house today. And that's the story, it's the story of Zacchaeus, but the song, it captures a lot, I'll have to admit, and it's definitely memorable, but there's a few things that the song kind of leaves out that I wanted to point out for us today. Take a look, Luke 19, and it begins in verse one, and it's actually a very significant story in the book of Luke, and I hope I'll have time to tell you about that in just a second. This is the story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through Now, I want to stop right there because you might know that many times the Bible gives us an indication that it wasn't by accident that Jesus went to certain places. Like, I don't know if you remember, when he went through Samaria in John chapter 4, it says that he had to go through Samaria. Well, no, he didn't. Everyone went around Samaria. Well, he had to because he had a divine encounter there with the Samaritan woman. Do you remember? And so also, Luke's given us a little hint here that he entered Jericho, and we believe that this was on purpose because he knew already that he was going to meet a certain person as he was passing through town. Jericho was actually a very affluent place. It was well known for a balsam ointment that they made that they got from the trees that were unique to that area, and it became a commercial center and a trade route. This ointment was used as a balm, as a healing ointment, It was used as a perfume, a spice, and even as a wrinkle, um, like a cosmetic, to get rid of wrinkles. So I I think I want to get some. But anyways, uh, Jericho was a very important place. And as he was passing through, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And it says in Luke that he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. So we know a little bit about this guy Zacchaeus. We know that he was from Jericho, and this word, the chief tax collector, is the only time this word is used in all of the Bible. We know from history that there were only three chief tax collectors in all of Palestine. And Jericho, that vicinity, the area around Jericho, since it was the wealthiest, was the most influential. So Zacchaeus was very influential and probably held the key position as far as tax collectors were concerned in that whole part of the country. He was very important. His name means innocent, but we know that he was anything but. See the tax collectors, you might know, they were despised by the Jewish people. They were under Roman rule and very much oppressed. The taxes that the Jewish people paid went directly to their oppressors so that they could oppress them. Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was the head of that whole area of tax collectors. The tax collectors were despised not only because they were traitors, as they were viewed by the Jewish people, but because they were extortionists. They often took more than was actually due and made people pay higher taxes, and then they were allowed to keep the difference. That shows some of Zacchaeus's wealth, but not all of it, as we'll see later on in the story. But Zacchaeus was anything but innocent. He was anything but clean, as his name means. And it's very ironic, almost, that he has that name, because he himself obviously feels a need. Although so wealthy, has the greatest position, the most envied position that anyone p- could probably want, there's something missing in his heart. There's a void and an emptiness that can't seem to be filled and he's seeking to try to find it it says in verse three that he wanted to see jesus he wanted to see who jesus was but because he was short and he couldn't see over the crowd he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since jesus was coming that way so zacchaeus was a big man as far as his influence but was a short man as far as stature. And again, I think the Bible's showing us an irony here that Zacchaeus longed to understand this emptiness in his soul. He heard about Jesus and the things that he had done and longed just to catch a a glimpse of him so that he could know who Jesus was. But his problem was, although so influential, so equally despised, a short man trying to get into the crowd to see Jesus coming down the road, just couldn't do it. And so you might even imagine that as he's kind of walking down the road with a crowd now forming, almost like when you go to a parade, that he's trying to nudge in between a couple of people. And you can almost picture people, can't you? Because here comes little Zacchaeus, and they see him come and they know very well who he is. And so almost intentionally moving closer together, or maybe even throwing up a little elbow every once in a while to keep him out. We don't want you here. Zacchaeus was an outcast. He was someone who who was marginalized. He was someone who was unclean. And a good Jewish person wouldn't want to be anywhere near where Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus, also a clever man, realized that the only way he was going to get to see Jesus was if he put out some effort to do that. So he didn't give up. He wanted to see him. So he ran ahead, ahead of the crowd, and he found the perfect spot. A sycamore fig tree is like a tree climber's dream. I don't know if you climbed trees when you were younger, did you ever climb trees? Your mom probably told you not to because you'll break a leg. Maybe you did. Did you ever fall out of a tree and break a leg? But this tree is perfect because it has real big branches but they're real low to the ground. You can even Google if you want to, if you want to Google, maybe you're doing that right now, I don't know, but if you Googled sycamore fig tree, you could see a picture of what they look like. Usually huge trees, but with real low branches that you can climb right up in, and that was what Zacchaeus did. He got up into this tree, and I don't know what he was thinking. What was he thinking, that he could just catch a glimpse and see this guy, you know, see what's going on with this man, he brings such hope to people. There's something different about him, And his graciousness, his kindness, his power, and something about his authority as he teaches. I just would like to catch a glimpse of him. And so that's what he did. But surprised above all surprises was when Jesus, verse 5, he reached the very spot where Zacchaeus was. And this is what happened. He stops. He looks up. And he says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Well, well, wait a minute. Who told Jesus his name was Zacchaeus? How did he know? We're not told. Luke doesn't tell us the answer. Some people say, well, he was well-known, so maybe Jesus had heard of him. Well, it doesn't say that either. Jesus knows everything, doesn't he? And he knows everything about you and me. He looks deep into our heart and not only knows our name, but knows everything about us. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. He knows what we're thinking, what our deepest attitudes are. The truth is he knows us probably, well not probably, he knows us better than we know ourselves, doesn't he? Because sometimes I'm conflicted and confused even about what my attitudes are, what I'm feeling. I can't put words to it, but he knows. He knows all of the great things about you. All the wonderful things that he created you to be, his plans for you, and the gifts that you have, the potential that you have in him. But he also knows those ways that we rebel against him, those secret places that we have that we close off to him, that we want to keep apart because we know it's not right, and yet we harbor it and tolerate it. He can see right through us. John says in the book of Revelation that Jesus has blazing eyes of fire that can see right through our soul to our inner core. And for some that's terrifying because we realize that we're not perfect. But for us who know him, it's comforting to know that we don't have to hide. We don't have to be ashamed because he already knows. We can be ourselves and open our entire self to him and to know, Lord, I am imperfect and I need you and to know that he accepts us and this is what he was doing for Zacchaeus when he stopped at that tree and he looked up and said his name and welcomed him down from the tree and told him that he was coming to his house what he was actually saying was Zacchaeus I accept you I love you and in fact I want to honor you today. Because to go to someone's house, a dignitary or or a very famous person, if they were to come to visit, this was a tremendous honor. The greatest honor in this culture was if someone would come to your house and to stay. I don't know if it's similar to that now, but I think it might be. If all of a sudden our president were to kind of roll in and walk down the aisle here and point you out and say, I would like to come to your house today. Would Would you have lunch with me and we can talk a little bit about how things are going? Boy, I think many of us would consider it an honor if someone famous came and invited us to, and, and kind of invited themselves over. And this was a tremendous honor, and everyone around it knew that, that he was honoring Zacchaeus on that day. And so in verse 6, Zacchaeus came down. From, I would like to see that. I'd like, I'd like to see how he, did he just jump? Did he just jump straight down? It says that he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And it's interesting because in verse five, Jesus says, come down immediately. And the word that's used in verse six is, is the corollary to, that's what he did. He's like, he was so excited, he just came running right on down. So here's this wealthy, short, little Jewish man. And he didn't care how he looked. He didn't care if people made fun of him for climbing up into a tree, or running when he came down. He was thrilled to know Jesus. And to spend time with him now here's the part verse 7 the people they saw this and they began to mutter oh now he's gone to be the guest of a sinner and it's interesting because you know the life of jesus that he wasn't afraid to be identified with sinners and if you ever if you know this phrase oftentimes it says tax collectors and sinners These were the most despised people. Jesus wasn't afraid to be identified with them because he knew he came to seek and to save those who were lost. He knew that it wasn't the healthy that needed a doctor, but the sick. And so he came and invited Zacchaeus to come down, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, Luke doesn't tell us when exactly this happened. The story just flows from one thing to the other. So we don't know if this was as soon as Zacchaeus came down out of the tree or if it was at Zacchaeus' house a little bit later when some people had also gathered together that he invited and maybe some others that were listening. We're not told exactly when it happened. But we do know that this is a public declaration that Zacchaeus is making before the Lord, but also to be an example so that others would know what's happening in his heart. You see, we're never told in the story, the narrative of Zacchaeus, that he put his trust in Christ, that his heart was changed, and that now he was a believer. We're never told that. But what we see see instead is the outward demonstration of that that when a life is touched by Christ, our heart is changed. And many times we can't explain it. We, we, it's hard for us to tell other people about the change that was wrought in our heart when Christ came in, when we finally received him and said that we want to receive him as our savior, we want to receive his, his gift of eternal life that came through his death and through his resurrection, that something happens in our heart. And when it does, it changes everything. It's as if we walk through a threshold from black and white into color. It's as as if we cross into a new place that we've never been before, and everything looks different. And we begin to see life in a totally different way, and we live for a different goal. Many of us know this because it's happened to us. And we just can't explain it or get enough of it because God has changed us. He's changed us not just on the outside, but from the inside out, has made us a new creation. And all we can do is thank him because we know it wasn't us that did it. It was him. It was his work in us. And so we can't look at life the same way anymore. We know that we're not here to live for ourselves. We're here to live for other people. We're not here to glorify me, but to glorify God. And the result is that God uses us in a way to even bring other people to himself. When Zacchaeus did this, this this was astounding. People had never seen anything like this before. Zacchaeus, as a tax collector, the chief tax collector, maybe the wealthiest person in this part of the world, held his money with clenched fists. This is mine. I deserve this. I earned this. This is mine. And in an instant, when he encountered Christ, his hands were now open. This is yours. God, for some reason, You brought me to this place and gave me these things. I give them to you, give them to you. What he did was amazing. He obviously had earned money in other ways other than extortion because he has money left to give. And so he does, half of his money he gives. But beyond that, he says, if I have cheated anyone and we can't see it in English because Greek gives us a little hint In the Greek, it actually says, if I have cheated anyone, and I did, that's what it means. it's, it's, It's expecting a positive answer, and I did cheat people, then I will repay them. Now, the law required that if you cheated someone, you were supposed to pay them back everything you cheated them, plus 20%. But he says something different here. Do you see it? In very extreme cases, it says that you should pay back double. He says, I'm gonna pay back four times. Where did that come from? Is this the same person? Who said this? It's Zacchaeus, but the new Zacchaeus. The one whose name is truly what he is. That now the Lord has made a change in his heart and he is now living out what has already happened in his heart. And so Jesus now is the one who makes a declaration. Verse nine today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost and this is our story too isn't it? it wasn't just Zacchaeus it was me and you that he stopped in our life and in some way somehow broke through the coldness and the darkness of our own heart and put an interest in our heart to seek and even that seeking was a gift from him. And then as we learned more about who he was, sometimes reluctantly and like C.S. Lewis said, sometimes kicking and screaming, he brings us into the kingdom and even the very faith that we have is a gift from him. And when we do, it changes everything. It changes all of life. The emptiness in our heart is filled with with a fullness of knowing who God is the purposelessness that we had in trying to seek after many other gods, many other things that we thought would bring us happiness but never could, we finally realize it's the Lord Jesus that my heart truly longs for and my heart is restless until I find him. And as we find him, we change. It said earlier in the story that Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus, but now Zacchaeus says, Lord my Lord he was no longer just someone of interest a famous person that he wanted to see he recognized that he was God himself walking on this earth and the rescuer who would bring salvation to his soul you know this is very significant in the book of Luke because Luke's already set us up in chapter 15 Luke told us a trilogy of parables that talked about something very significant and that was how much jesus loves us and will come after us to find us he told us the story about the lost sheep he had 99 the shepherd had 99 he only lost one but he went after that one until he found you 10 lost 10 coins only one was lost he wouldn't give up till he found the one and then our favorite story right the lost son the prodigal who insulted his father and almost told him that he wished he was dead, took his wealth and squandered it all, disgraced his family, Realized it came to his senses and realized, I'm no longer worthy to be a son, but maybe my father would accept me as his slave. He was such a fair and, and, and honest father and so caring for his servants, maybe he would accept me as a slave. And so he came back, but before he could even get close to the house, the father ran out to him and pursued him. And embraced him and welcomed him home and then the story is really about the second son that was at home complaining and murmuring and was so upset because his brother was given such grace and all of us fit into the one one of those two characters don't we someone who was a prodigal and walked away from God or someone who thought that I was so self-righteous that I could get to heaven on my own and Christ comes into our life And he shows us the truth that God is a God that loves us and comes after us. Well, Zacchaeus is the real-life prodigal. He's the answer to those stories. The very last thing that Jesus says in in the parable of the lost son is that he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And here he is. It's Zacchaeus. He's an example of that. Luke was setting us up. And in the chapter just before this one luke did it again because he tells us the story about the rich young ruler who came to jesus and said how how is it that i can get into heaven and jesus said well you have to keep the law well i've done that done that okay then sell everything you have and give it to the poor that will show your true heart and he was greatly grieved because he was very wealthy and jesus said it's very hard for a wealthy person to come into the kingdom it's almost as hard as a camel trying to go through the eye of a needle and what Jesus was actually saying was it's impossible not just for wealthy people but for all of us it's impossible for us to get into the kingdom just as impossible as it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle so it is for us to be able to get into heaven except he says With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And that's why Christ came. He came specifically to seek and to save you, to pay for your sins with a perfect sacrifice on the cross, to pay for that as only he could, the only perfect man who ever lived. And because he was God, he could pay for each of us as if we were the only one. And then he proved that by coming back to life again, So that he could offer life to us Zacchaeus is an example of the rich man who was impossible for him to ever come into the kingdom and yet because of God's power he did he was the camel that passed through the eye of the needle and you know he never forgot it he never forgot when Jesus stopped at the base of that tree and welcomed him there's one more very significant thing in the story that I wanted to point out and that is that Zacchaeus was an outcast. He was an outsider. And the story shows the progression of the change because in the beginning of the story, the chief tax collector, the most despised of all people, now the end of the story. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Jesus was welcoming him into the family. He was welcoming him and saying basically to him, you belong, you're you're at home here. We are now your family. We accept you. What did that mean to Zacchaeus when he heard those words, when his whole life he was pushed aside, he was marginalized and pushed out of people's lives and now to be embraced and welcomed as a son who has come home. And I don't know about you if you realize that that's what God has done for you, that he's come and stopped into our life in each way, each one of us a different way. He's spoken to us and helped us to see who he is. And now he has welcomed us into a family, a group of people that don't just meet on Sunday morning and listen to a sermon, but a group of people who live life together, who truly love each other and care for each other, that when you're not here, you're missed because you're part of this family, part of the body of Christ. He's so wonderful, isn't he, what he's done for us? And when I find myself complaining, it's important for me to go back and to remember the wonderful, wonderful story, the touching story of how Christ has come into our life and changed all of us. And he's still doing that, isn't he? He's still making a difference every day. As we come to him and behold his glory, he's changing us into the same image. And so today, we give our lives to him and ask the Lord to fill us up with gratitude to understand who he is and through that, that we might overflow into the lives of other people. This is our mission and our calling on earth. It goes very quickly, even 90 years, right, Elizabeth? It goes so fast, doesn't it? But you know what? God can use us every day for his glory. So let's just bow our heads and close in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to use us today. Lord, thank you for the gospel, the good news, that even me, even I could be saved. And so Lord, I say thank you from a grateful heart. And Lord, my heart also goes out to those here today who are seeking, who don't yet know you. They might be looking at you from a distance to see if you're real, to see what you're like. And I pray that today would be the day that you you draw their heart to yours that you help them to see that you're calling out to them to come down and to receive, to receive the gift of eternal life that's through you. And so, Lord, keep tugging at their hearts. Keep helping them to see your great love. And for all of us, Lord, we pray that we'd have a fresh encounter with you today to remind us all of the miracle of our new birth and the way that you can use our life for your glory. We give all to you now And praise your name, in Jesus' name, amen.